Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Mars. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? We're back. We got a modern pro tour. We Holy did. smokes. That was wonderful. It was an exciting it was, show. It was swell. I really enjoyed that. It was so much fun to watch. It had been so long. Uh, and man, it was like, there's never been a better modern pro tour. There's never been a sweeter set of decks. Um, Sure. I mean, we had seven strategies in the top eight. We had tier, former tier two strategies breaking through to tier one. You had freaking hollow one breaking through. You had multiple young pyromancer decks. Yeah, we had we had two. Like it was kind of like there was four. And this is me stating that humans is an established metagame deck, which I think we can kind of insinuate it was. It is now after like well, four it definitely months. was. Yeah, so I I would say there was like four established metagame decks and an with five representations of them and then three kind of brews that are like sneaky this is a new archetype that didn't exist yeah before. yeah yeah so it was exciting um and we are going to talk all about it with you guys if you're wondering uh if you are wondering because on anchor i talked a little bit about this about this other episode that talks about the magic movie you guys will actually hear that audio later we just decided yeah we decided to do the pro tour coverage it. for during the week of the pro tour and yes save that one for another week exactly so we switched those so you'll hear that at some point if in case anybody was curious about it though it is very cool um but the episode we're talking about today is going to be the pro tour review we're going to be talking about the deck that won <laughs> spoiler alert lantern we're going to be talking about some of the top top archetypes the face of modern the future of it going forward our band predictions based on the success of certain decks at the pro tour and what you can expect by the next big marquee modern tournament uh, as far as maybe unbannings go. So let's, uh, before we get into all of that, Alex, where can everybody find you? Uh, I am at Kess Wiley. We are at the MM Cast. You are at Ben Bateman Media. That is true on Twitter and Instagram. Look at you. Uh, you can also check out our Facebook group. We are at the we are the official Masters of Modern Facebook group. Uh, there's we're at thirty five hundred people. I think at this point are coming close. The conversations going, are getting downright unruly sometimes. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know we uh, are bringing on new moderators this week, so they'll even you know it's 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 a community that's growing fast and and it's really exciting. Uh, make sure to check out our Patreon. Uh, it's important because uh, that's how we pay for the things that make this keep happening. Um, it's and how we, don't we pay just, for our creative we don't just cloud suite say account. that, by the way. Like we, I know that it, probably some people think we just say that, but we don't just say that we need the Patreon help. We do need the Patreon help. Correct. Otherwise, we're just hemorrhaging money to come talking to you guys about magic. Which is, yeah, which is, I mean, like... Which we did for a long time. Yeah, we did for so. a long time. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, we have updated creative clouds, so that's like 60 bucks a week. Or a month so there's like different there's different costs that just come with this podcast existing and we definitively appreciate all the help and assistance we can get from the fans and we love all of you for it yeah um additionally you guys can check out kesco that is alex's company that i work with um it is an awesome company toys games yeah you can go you can literally go to a target right now yeah super party bell at thinkgeek.com or you can go to target and buy ice hoops and other crazy things. It's definitely really exciting. Yeah, so that's the thing. We have products now in, in major stores that you might just see the name Cass and go, really? 
if you didn't even realize it, but that's a thing. Uh, and then last but not least, Anchor.fm is this free app that's available. It's like Twitter meets podcasting. Uh, I run the Masters of Modern account on it, and we have about 10 minutes of extra content a day about Modern that you can just go find the 10 minutes of Modern Station on that app, and you'll get it. Uh, a lot of you guys complain that I don't archive and turn them into podcasts. I'm not very good at it. Every few weeks I go in and I go archive all the old episodes so that they're available on the podcast store. But as it stands now, if you want, you can just download Anchor.fm. You can even listen to it on your desktop every day. Uh, and listen to the content. So I did. A, I already did like a little short top eight review there. But anyway, let's get into the show. Uh, let's talk about this this uh, this pro tour top eight. So I know that you and I are, have both been very busy this last week. Did you get to watch any like full matches or just some highlights? I watched some highlights. Yeah. Uh, this week, my birthday was this last weekend, so I was doing birthday things. There was drinking involved. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you, maybe other people. I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. (laughs) Uh, Uh, That's cool. Your birthday was fun. It was a good party. I had fun. It was was good good. to see everybody. Yeah, we. uh, There was one of the funny things is that there was a guy that a friend of a friend brought, or just a friend brought, and he hung out with us the whole evening. Even came early, so he would like helped set up, went through the whole event, and like by the very end of the day, like plays a ton of magic and spent the entire party with a bunch of people that played magic, but like didn't tell anyone the whole time and didn't, didn't know realize. that anyone, cause he was like doing the whole thing where you're like, I don't bring up the fact that I play magic in every social circle right. I go to. But like, it was like, this is, this was your moment. There was like magic judges. There was he didn't even store realize. people that ran stores. It was just, he just went through the whole thing. Alex so is basically tell everyone you, you play magic. That's Alex the key is basically to the story. telling you that he is magic royalty. He knows all of the store owners and all of true. the judges. I would never make that statement. <laughs> and they all attend his birthday party. <laughs> no. <laughs> the uh, local magic community, some members of it made it to the party. I didn't play any magic at the party, but I played Jenga. I played a lot of Jenga. Uh, we played a lot of, uh, there's a game called Secret Hitler that it's uh, really fun. Uh, Didn't get to play that we one. We played a ga- game of Super Party Battle. Yeah, A game that, that you happening. can buy on thinkgeek.com. It's available right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's what happened there. But the Pro Tour yeah, we was just much more fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I read a lot about it. Um, it was crazy, man. I mean, it was there, really was, cool. there was so much cool stuff. I mean, so many, so many like sort of like weird highlights like uh, I'm pretty sure John Finkel played Tron um, I'm almost positive he yes, did yes he did You're I didn't get to watch any of his matches but uh, that's a, not a Finkel deck we had Lantern win the Pro Tour so I, I guess where, where do we start probably the thing to do is to break down first of all the top eight decks uh, we will start off by saying that the War of Invention version of Lantern won the Pro Tour um, and that is what do you think? Uh, is your knee-jerk reaction that that's a positive or a negative for modern, or is it a neutral? Um, the net negative is by winning a pro tour, there is going to be a significant amount of the modern player base or incoming modern players that are going to come to it and be like, "Oh, what deck should I build?" And it's going to be the one that won the pro tour, and they're like, "Oh, that's obviously the deck I should be playing, so I'm going to buy it." And that's going to cause two major things to happen. The first one is a bunch of people that are not good at playing Lantern or are new to the deck uh, will be playing it in Grand Prix format. It is unbelievably difficult to pilot correctly. It is very difficult to play correctly. It, the less you play it correctly, the slower turns go, so the the, the games can be drawn out. Um, you know, It's not like eggs, though, where like eggs took... A few turns, but all of those turns took 20 minutes long. This is going to be much more of a, they're going, you know, Lantern takes like 600 turns and they're all very quick. But if you play any of them slowly, you might have, have issues at a GP. So the, the, the net negative and like people are asking for bans and, and we're going to get really into that in a second. But 
the 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 real negative that could happen is that it just slows down tournament play because you have a bunch of new players playing this deck that you know is really fun. It's really cool. It's awesome that it won a Pro Tour. Congratulations to both the winner and the people that were worked really hard to make that deck a thing happen. Um, and that's great. But I do think that we are going to run into a situation where tournament play is going to be hurt at least in the beginning because so many new players are going to be picking this deck up and it's a deck that one played badly or slowly can uh be detrimental to a tournament yeah you mentioned eggs and again i probably should save the full-on lantern discussion for the second half of the podcast because it's not really what this podcast is about uh i mean oh, no it, we should just talk about it, it now if we're here okay uh, <laughs> why? Why like? Just because like people it. like don't want to like the should it be banned? Is it a problem? Like I wanted to save it, but it's fine. So all right, I think the world wants to talk about that. You mentioned there's, just, there's two people, two types of people. They're the people yeah. that think nothing should be banned and yep. are really angry when people want something to be banned, and then there's the other half of people that want things that do well to be banned and don't want something like this to be good. So you mentioned uh, eggs, and that is the, in, a lot of people keep comparing this deck to eggs, and so there's a couple there's a couple reasons that it's similar, and there's a couple reasons that it's distinctly different um eggs was 100 percent a solitaire deck the deck basically didn't interact with you it like you it could it could i had seen it do that a couple times like occasionally if you needed to you could like ghost quarter a land or you could like i don't know use your uh, spell bomb like some sideboard cards minimal it was storm but worse but yeah but it was storm and so so eggs was annoying because like a good eggs player could well within their rights stall out game one knowing they were going to win and even kind of troll their opponent into like an, un an inexperienced opponent not understanding how the deck worked the playing player could just like play 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 take 42 minutes and then just draw the second game pretty much on purpose win easy that was right. on camera that happened a lot and so they didn't like that there was no reason for them to have a solitaire deck they could win a pro tour so they got rid of it well and, and one of the issues though that was that's not even totally the the, the case it, it was banned also in the same way that top is banned you know top wasn't banned from power level reasons now there's an argument that it probably would be too good but its original banning was that was based off of old extended and that's that it ruins grand prix because yep. people slow play with it it, it adds thirty thousand steps every turn it makes the, a game last significantly longer it, with eggs the problem is is even after turns happens you can have three opportunities to have 20 minute long turns so that means every single round has an additional 60 minutes ish because it's variable right. between how many players are playing eggs added to the round to let that player finish the tournament which means you're adding nine hours a day to a tournament which makes it 100 percent unsustainable it's yep. a deck that literally the way tournaments are run in modern days does not function in the environment for a professional match tournament Right. So and, so and that's that's yeah. So that's that's the big issue with why it was banned. Um, yeah. So that's I mean that's that's eggs. Now the difference between that deck and this deck is that to win with this deck every single turn, if you're an inexperienced player, is a little bit of a chess match of knowing which cards to leave on top because you have the top card of their library revealed, which cards to get rid of, what things to respond to, what's your play pattern with War of Invention. There's a lot of opportunity for your opponent to respond and blow up your win condition. If they get rid of your Lantern of Insight and you don't have another Lantern, you don't have another way to recover, I've seen it happen. I've seen people get, I've seen affinity decks get so close to losing and then win all of a sudden on one turn by like getting under an ensnaring bridge because of a land and making their opponent keep a card in their hand. Like 
It's not that impossible oh, I mean, to or do. Or just have Ornithopter attack and then move an equipment or modular yeah. counters to where that instant speed. So yeah. it's it's a much, much, much more skill-intensive deck to pile it to the win. Um, however, I don't think that Wizards' response is going to be all that different to it because I still don't think they want Lantern winning a Pro Tour. I don't think they want to see that again. I think the fact that it won a Grand Prix now that it's won a Pro Tour... <sighs> I, I think we're going to go through the next three months and there's going to be a few uh, additional modern GPs. When's the next ban announcement? In 10 days, I think. You don't think there's any chance that we see a banning? No. Okay. Uh, not n- There's not a single calm head that normally is in this conversation that's asking for a banning of, of, of a from this deck. Uh, I, I think they're going to let it go through the three-month period. We're going to see of GPs until the next set comes out. Once that set comes out, there will be a new banning announcement, and then that'll be the actual response to this situation. And it's going to be very much based on how GPs go. If... Every GP from now on is inundated with Lantern Control players that are, are either playing slowly, so causing problems with the deck, or it's just better than they're expecting and it does really well in every tournament, then they'll probably need to answer it. If, you know, the first tournament, a bunch of people play it, they realize that they're bad at it, it doesn't do that well, and then the next GP, not too many people are playing it because it didn't do well the last GP, and we move on with our lives, then Lantern will be around and it'll one time, you know, sometimes win a major tournament. Obviously, a pro tour is the place where Lantern is going to be best positioned because you have the best players on the planet playing. So the and Lantern is a deck that heavily favors the better player. And it's a hyper, hyper, hyper meta call because like totally. you're as basically it's one of the best players in the world. You're like, OK, so the likelihood of this deck getting smashed is relatively low. Um but also, if I can if I can angle this to the super super boring win, and I can stomach having to play this for as long as I'm going to play it, I can win 50k. <laughs> yeah, and, so. and, and we had Zach Elsick on the 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 podcast right after he originally top 16 with it, and then he literally the next GP he won it uh, with this deck, and that was kind of like where Lantern came from. And what he mentioned that you know one of his worst matchups is Burn, but Burn in this field was 33 percent. 33% of this metagame was burn decks. So right. not 33, sorry, 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 8%. 33 players were playing burn um, at the Pro Tour. So the, and that might be off by a few counts of people. The metagame wasn't necessarily not toxic towards Lantern. Lantern was a known quantity. The last major GP that wasn't a team event, everyone was like, man, Lantern's the deck to beat. Get ready for it. And then it didn't win it. But, yep. and Tron was the deck of that weekend. Right. Um, partly because Tron is a good matchup against Lantern. <laughs> uh, Emrakul. <laughs> yeah, it's a good card. Uh, it's just, Tron's not always playing Emrakul now. But whatever. Uh, beyond that, the, the real thing to look at, out for here is... You know, the deck itself has a lot of different things that are problematic. Like, I wouldn't recommend a person pick this deck up. Oh, because God, no. I think, A, it's a specific deck and your friends are all going to hate you. <laughs> but B, I think that in general, this is a deck that has the potential of being banned. Anyone who says it's not going to be banned ever is just fooling themselves. And everyone who says it should be banned immediately is also not reacting correctly. I think the correct answer is let's wait and see. And let... Uh, and... I would be tentative to pick a deck up like this if I was a person who would get annoyed that my deck was banned out from under me. So let's just talk really quickly here about the premier two cards in the deck that are worth money. Because there's two, I think, right? It's Mox Opal and Snaring Bridge. I mean, as a mana bit, that, that are exclusive to that deck? No, no, that are like the, those are like the, the money, money cards that like if you have to spend... I think Blackleaf Cliffs is 30 bucks right now. Like there's a bunch of mana... Well, okay, like but Blackleaf and... just spiked and the reason Blackleaf Cliffs spiked is because Blackleaf Cliffs is now played in like four premier decks. So like sure. if you were to buy Blackleaf Cliffs... You're fine. You're not buying it well, I think if you buy Mox Opal, you're fine. I think... Uh, it, so 
the question is, is of the main cards in this deck, which one would you... So mana bases you should never be afraid of because mana bases will be useful all throughout modern. Totally. So, Unless you're trying. Yeah. Mox Opal and Zaring Bridge are the two cards that are like not played in that many decks. They're played in a few. And who, should you be hesitant to buy into those cards if you're buying this deck? <sighs> um, the problem is, is that I would say there's three cards... Affinity didn't maybe top four eight. cards so. that I would pick that could be banned from the deck, and those are two on that list. I don't think Mox Opal gets banned unless it's because of Affinity. I think Affinity could cause Mox Opal to get banned, and someday it might. We've talked but, about it a lot, yeah. But uh, I don't think Lantern... I think if Affinity is too strong and if Affinity won this Pro Tour, then we'd be looking at a situation where Mox Opal is banned because it kind of hits two birds with one stone. Yep. Um, it's the the reason that I think one of the other cards that is is high on everyone's list to get banned is the um, oh man I'm forgetting what it's called green one mana ancient stirrings ancient stirrings uh, the idea behind it is that it's a very powerful cantrip in modern where they've actively banned most other powerful cantrips um, and because Tron is a deck that other people wouldn't mind seeing it take a little hit to the knee you know it, it's a deck that people are like maybe this deck is too good um and people hate it, get playing against it, so seeing both of them kind of take a little bit of a crack. I didn't know that was a $3 cantrip. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Surprises it's me. Very, it's very good. It's, it's probably the best cantrip in modern, which I, is problematic in green, so like, there's even a color philosophy issue here. So, like, the the fact that this card, that's a card that could be banned, um, and then the last one, it was, or not the last one, but Bridge from Below, not Bridge from Below, Ensnaring Bridge is obviously problematic, and in modern, there aren't another ton of decks that play it. Now, I think that's probably it's because it's underutilized. So it's the most unique to this deck specifically. The other thing is that's a card that's good in older formats, and it's been expensive forever. I don't think this deck is the reason it's at the price it's at. It, I, 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 yeah, so for, for my, my answer to that question would be of the five cards that we're talking about, six now if you include Ancient Stirrings, that are like realistic possibilities for bannings, both Opal and... And Ensnaring Bridge probably pretty much maintain their value whether or not a different card in the deck gets banned. Even if they, even if Ensnaring Bridge was to get banned from Modern, it's probably still going to stay relatively expensive. Mox Opal would take a hit because it's it's like sixty six dollars. It's probably like a thirty dollar card if it gets banned. Uh, I, I think. think it. I think it goes down to twenty. Maybe it's not really like yes, a Legacy Affinity decks play it, but it's. Not that played in older formats, so, so maybe. And it's not a mod. It's not a commander staple. So, so maybe, so maybe then Opal's the card. Maybe that would be that's the one card to be afraid of. But Affinity didn't even top eight the Pro Tours. So the likelihood of that being the ban target is low. The rest of the cards in the deck, the other four would be really would be Codex Shredder, Lantern of Insight, Word of Invention, or Ancient Stirrings. Well, it, it, the the thing is that first off, it, Wizards has stated publicly that they, when banning cards, do not want to totally murder a deck. And I believe that getting rid of Ensnaring Bridge, Lantern of Insight, or Codex Shredder directly murders this so, deck. A card that I would actually point at is a good one to maybe get rid of to see what happens is Pixis. Yeah, it's, it's fine, but the deck existed and wasn't playing Pixis in the beginning. Correct, um, but the reason it's playing it is because it deals with all of the hate cards that come out against the deck. The fact I, that you can fight against Ancient Grudges. I'll give a quick shout-out to somebody who called into the Anchor Station because I was going to play this call, and mm -hmm. I probably still will call it. Uh, Edward Carolyn called in and said, Word of Invention is too good. Um, 
Felipe Luce of yeah. Band Lantern of Insight. Now, the War of Invention play, I listened to the call, and I thought about this a lot. Uh, it, it's in line with a lot of the bandings we've seen. Powerful tutors in modern are not something they are that super thrilled with. Um, Correct. We have seen them ban them in the past. The biggest reason that War of Invention is so good in that deck is because they're able to play one ofs of powerful sideboard cards in this deck have access to them at instant speed in the main. Sure. Which, which means things like Witchbane Orb or, you know, Graph Digger's Cage, they become cards that just shut certain decks down. Right. And all of a sudden, this deck's playing five of them at instant speed. Right. So that, to me, if you really wanted to make the deck a little bit more like what it was before it was just a straight-up tier one deck, would be banned War of Invention. Yeah, War of Invention definitely is a card that I can see them getting rid of. It doesn't kill the deck. It keeps the deck alive, which is they don't want to do. The, the, like, Lantern of Insight is a card they... Unless they're like, this deck needs to go away, period. We're getting rid of it. Ban War of Invention. Or they happen to print a creature that is a creature that is able to be played in the deck that does the same thing. So that, in at least in that situation, you're giving it a weaker, more right. answerable thing to play its game plan. But I think, I think getting rid of Lantern or Bridge murders the deck. Yep. Getting rid of Mox Opal unnecessarily hurts affinity at a point where affinity doesn't currently need to be hurt. Like, I don't think affinity, I don't think anyone needs affinity. It, affinity could win two GPs this year, and I still wouldn't probably think it needs to be banned. I also think that Lantern <laughs> of Insight is hurt a lot less by a Mox Opal ban than affinity is. Like, yes. I, like, I think that, um, I think that, uh, that Mox Opal slows down the deck. Right. But I don't think that it, like, destroys the deck. I just think it makes them a half turn slower and, no, yeah, the, the reason Mox Opal is even really under consideration is because it's an Affinity, and people were already talking about possibly being banned from Affinity if Affinity is too good. If it is not too good, this deck is maybe more problematic from a time perspective, and I don't see them just straight up murdering the deck because I think it's something they like and a lot of people are supportive of. It's really cool. Like, look at this top eight. We're going to get into it next, and it's like every single one of these decks is really, really, really sweet, and including Lantern, and the yeah. fact that this one is great. Like, the, I don't think everyone should be as angry about it as they are. Um, and the real thing to keep in consideration, the real thing Wizards is going to be paying attention to is, does this ruin tournament play? And that's, and, and honestly, the answer to that question is Maybe. I mean, I watching this, this top eight was so close to so sick to watch, and then Lantern was in it, and the finals was awful. The finals was horrible to watch. It was like a totally miserable, totally miserable set of ma magic games. So, like, there is that. But let's talk about the rest of the decks in the top eight. Um, um, let's talk about the rest of the decks in the top eight. Sure. So, the remaining decks in the top eight, you've got two copies of Five Color Humans, uh, you've got a copy of Mardu Pyromancer, which made the finals, piloted by a friend of the podcast, Jerry Thompson. You've got a blue-red Pyromancer deck. You've got an Abzan deck. You have black-red Hollow One. Um, is that all the decks? Did I just name them? Uh, Traverse Shadow. And Traverse Shadow. Lantern Control. And Lantern Control. So, uh, pretty diverse top eight. And as you said, four pretty established archetypes and four sort of slightly i think we were going to rank the the wild weird excitingness <laughs> excitement of the decks i think hollow one is pretty clearly the most exciting deck in the top hollow eight. one is the by far most left field do craziness did uh, you see goblin lore as a 15 dollar yes. uncommon yes i didn't even know that card existed had you heard of it i yeah like every time i've done the like i'm gonna read every card in modern for a deck and then but i never took it like i've never i yeah, played 10th edition limited and i don't remember oh that wow card. 
Oh, yeah. That's, I mean... I don't own one. I don't know how that's even possible. I open, like, boxes of that set. I don't know. Uh, Mardu Pyromancer is also probably my second Those pick. would be the two, uh, yeah. Mar- so we, we did a poll, uh, both out of uh, two polls. One was out of the new decks in the PTRX Top 8 that are new, which are you most excited to try out? And the answers, were, the, the questions were available were Mardu Pyromancer, Black Red Hollow One, and Blue Red Pyromancer, which I know has existed forever, but, like, I, I don't think that we've ever seen... Uh, the uh, what's the ice uh, thing in the ice thing in the ice top eight of pro tour yeah uh, I mean there hasn't so, been very many modern pro tours yeah yeah that's fair <laughs> um, of those three options Mardu Mardu Pyromancer at fifty percent I think this is the actually the deck coming out of this pro tour that's going to be the most explosive and most played people by were people around very the world. excited about this deck before the pro tour correct I, I remember playing a version of this that i was trying to put together for that like fnm like a month and a half right. ago and getting a lot of excited people like they people love the idea of playing off the beaten path color combos and they especially yeah. ones they've been trying to make work for so long right it, the, it, every color combo that doesn't see a lot of play if there's an opportunity to make it a real thing people are excited for it what's cool about this is also Mardo pyromancer finally gives people that want to play mid-range decks the ability to do so without playing Snapcaster Mage or Tarmogoyf. Right. There, there's no card really in this deck that's like a $80 to $100 card and and by for now, but yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, but even like, you know, Pyromancer itself is a an uncommon. So like it, it's not kind and of in the same one now cuz it got reprinted in Eternal Masters, mm-hmm. so it's like less than a buck. Right. So like the deck itself is not that expensive and it allows players to play mid-range in a way that they've never really had the opportunity to do so before, which is really kind of exciting. On top of it, it's really sick. <laughs> yeah, so we know, um, just, to be, just to be sure. Yeah, Young, young Pyromancer is a dollar. That's, yep. Yeah, crazy. Uh, is there anything else in the deck that... Uh, That's expensive? Um, I mean, you know, Fatal Pushes, I think, are like still like nine bucks, probably. Um yeah, no, that's seven. Not, that's like, that's like a, a regular... I mean, Black Cleave Cliffs skyrocketed. It's $30 now. Sure, but that's like a land. Yeah. Uh, buy lands. Uh, um, I think Lingering Souls... Reveler is probably going to be a $10 card, maybe. I think Collective Souls Brutality. Is, Souls is really cheap, I think. Yeah, it's been reprinted into the ground. Because like every dual deck that had Black White in it for five years cents. had it in it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Bedlam Reveler for sure. Obviously, Brut- Inquisition and, Co- and Thoughtseize. Brutality is like $15. Has Blood Moon in it. Blood Moon's the op top end. But even that's pretty cheap right now. Yeah, it's like $25, I think. $22. And the lands are, like, other than Blackleaf Cliffs, you're playing the cheap lands. You're playing Sacred Foundry, Blood Crypt, Bloodstained Mire, and Marsh Flats. Yeah. Mar- even, I mean, even Marsh Flats, I just got three of those, and they're, like, I think, like, 30 bucks or 35 bucks, maybe. one full Mayor Mage, like, if you really need to get there. like uh, $31 like for Marsh Flats. One Liliana the Veil. Yeah. That's so, that's probably the top end. Definitely, I mean, like, the top end. but like that's compared one to, compared to what the Abzan deck that Reed Duke is playing costs. It's not even close. Let's see, where's <laughs> Reed Duke's list? Because uh, yeah, th- those are the real comparable ones. These, these are the two black, green, and yeah. big bunny ears. Uh, quotation marks. Um, these are the two Abzan, you know, black green decks. <laughs> uh, well, that's not a black green deck though. Market. I know that was the bunny ears yeah, 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 around yeah, yeah. it, but but a bit of mid range. But my, yeah, they're the they're the thought seas followed by threats yes. followed by Liliana the Veil. Yeah, <laughs> uh, four Liliana the Veil. Yeah, one Liliana the Last Hope. <coughs> which is four like Liliana the Veil card. is like worth more than the entire Pyromancer deck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> four Tarmogoyf. Yeah, four Dark Confidant. Yep. Uh, two scavenging goose, two grim flare, one tireless tracker, four inquisition, close like two thoughtsies. Technically, it's playing one less thoughtsies though. You can buy thoughtsies for seventeen dollars right now. It's playing four verdants, two maelstrom pulse, three lingering souls, fatal push, two abrupt decay, two main deck needle spell bomb, which is tight. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the lands that you need, they're all really expensive. Like, the difference between these two decks, and I guarantee playing them in a tournament, you're not going to feel like your one's that much better than the other one. Like, well, uh, clearly, considering in and, a tournament, one of them just got the second place yeah. and the other one didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, granted, like, you know, the quality of player. But then again, it's... Reed Duke is yeah, it's, really good. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I was not not to say that, that Jerry Thompson or Reed Duke is better or worse. That was my point. I, I think the quality of player being... I don't think that like the average Joe Schmo at an FNM is like, should I buy into a deck? I'm like, well, look at Reed Duke's results. That should be a good <laughs> indicator of what deck you should play. <laughs> uh, yes, it's the it's the Corey Burkhardt effect of yeah. no one should play Grixis Control unless your name is Corey Burkhardt. Speaking of which, Corey Burkhardt got, got like 13th. 13th place at the PT. I think playing Grixis, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I can't imagine playing anything else in Modern. Well, this is, this is what we talked about uh, forever with Pro Tours, is yeah. that... You know, Wizards before, and this time they have listened. <laughs> I don't know if it was to us, but to someone. And forever their philosophy was, we need to ban cards because a Pro Tour needs to be exciting. And that yeah. needs to be new decks that people want to see what the new decks are going to be. Otherwise, they're not going to watch it. But in reality, I don't know a single person who's not excited to see Corey Burkhardt play Grixis, Grixis Control. Because yeah. it's great to have players have... Like, I'm actually more disappointed that... Um, Finkel? Finkel didn't play Storm than I think of any other disappointment from this entire yeah. Pro Tour. Is like, I want to see pros play decks that they're so good at because they, it's the same reason, like, when I watch basketball, Ooh, like, college basketball is fun. I know, it's a sports metaphor. This is great. You know, it, when I do watch it, a person who doesn't <laughs> care that much about sports, but even when I do care about sports, uh, it, I want to watch the Michael Jordans of the world. I want to watch the and people do. People want to watch LeBron James. You want to see the best player playing the best possible game, doing the best they can. Yeah, like that's like that is what sells the most basketball tickets. Yeah, and the modern pro tour can be that because it's not oh which pro came up with the best deck. It's or which pro team came up with the best deck even, uh, which is more what happens. It's oh which player, like how good is Corey with Grixis compared to. Reed Duke with Junk compared to um, John Finkel with Storm. John Finkel with Storm yeah. compared I, to LSV and weird combo decks. But you know, like, there's all these different players that you can literally just point at and be like, "They play, like to like, play this." Yeah, play, yeah, yeah. They do the same thing, like Lee Tian and Blue Red Blood Moon decks. Like. Yeah, so no, it's awesome, <laughs> and I, I think that's one of the most exciting things about Modern is that, like, yeah, you spend all this time learning all the percentage points and getting so proficient with the deck that I love to see these players. But then you also see. It's a good indicator of kind of the, the difference between a player who's locked into what they like to do and somebody like Paul Rizzo, who admittedly doesn't really – he's not somebody who has, like, a, a severe identity when it comes to decks. Like, traditionally, he's – you know, he's an, like an aggro player usually. Sure. But he'll change it, like, you know, deck to deck. And then in this Pro Tour, he was playing a uh, a blue-red Madcap Experiment deck with Blood Moon in the main deck. Right. Well, there was um, a ton of actually Madcap kind of overtook uh, through the breach Emrakul yeah. this tournament, which like obviously these are the type of tournaments that Affinity and Burn are going to be heavily represented. Right, and that's what you definitely want is to be able to have a an ace in the hole to not. You just... can lose after through the breaching Emrakul. Yeah. Uh, and you can lose after after Madcap experimenting, but it's a lot harder. Yep. Um. So. Let's let's talk about some of the rest of the decks in here. You had two five color humans decks. Um, the five color humans deck we've talked about at length, um, and so I think the reason that deck is so good is that it's it is a tempo deck. Like I was thinking about this: is this an aggro deck? Is this a swarm deck? Is it a tempo deck? It is a tempo deck because you have four copies each of, of creatures 
really if you include Thalia, which is kind of doing something similar, you have 12 two-drops that are slowing your opponent down by at least a turn, and Reflector Mage does the same thing, which means, like, the, the, the one-two punch of playing Kitesail Freebooter on turn two into Meddling Mage on turn three is a classic tempo play. It's like, I'm not going to stop you, I'm just going to slow you down and give myself the advantage by enough turns to kill you before you can get online. I, I would say... Tempo is the wrong word to me because tempo very specifically leads you in a different direction. I think this is a aggressive hate bears deck. I think like hate bears is probably the most. You don't think that hate bears is, is basically a tempo deck? No, you're playing a bunch of creatures that you're attacking that are two two for two. Like it, it's an aggressive. You're an aggro deck. You're just okay. you're you're like a tempo deck to me needs small condensement of threats and high condensement of interaction to protect those threats. And that's not really what this deck is doing. This is playing a bunch of cards that are answers that also are attacking at the same time. And that's, I think, the difference to me between the two. It's like, this is going to stop you from doing what you're doing while it's attacking. Tempo is like, I'm getting card disadvantage with my Delver of Secrets, but because it came down so early, I can protect it, and it's going to kill you while I stop you what you're trying to do. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, it's more value-oriented, I guess, is kind of how I would I would differentiate versus cool. Tempo, which is more control-based. I don't know. Uh, but I, I still think like it's good. I mean, obviously, the question going to this Pro Tour was, do you play Collecting Company or do you play Aether Vial? Uh, Do you we, know which ver the versions in the top eight? I, I know for a fact at least one of them was playing the Aether Vial plan. I think they both were. I don't think either of the Collected Company player, either version was the Coco version, uh, if you want to double check that. I mean, I watched a decent uh, amount of five color games. Javier Dominguez was playing Aether Vial? Yep. I watched, I think, a bunch of Javier Dominguez games. And Andrea Mangucci? Also, was playing Aether. Was playing Aether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really proud because I think I said both of their names pretty. Yeah, you were dead on. Pretty good. You did a great job. Uh, really happy about that. Yeah, I've been in a lot of Italian restaurants. I don't know if they're Italian. Do you want a cookie like or something? Uh, always. <laughs> Why are you offering me cookies? Can I have one? <laughs> I was congratulating you for saying their names right. Yeah, there's cookies yeah. in the kitchen. Yeah, that's yeah nice. I expect one <laughs> when this podcast is done. Uh, uh, Traverse Shadow. Oh, do you want to just go through the other decks? Or I, I, with we'll, humans? Yeah, yeah. Let's, okay. we'll, we'll just talk about it for I a mean, second. Obviously, this was the big thing coming in this tournament. There were It was like 10% of the field almost. It was the most played it. deck by a wide margin. Yeah, what's, um, what's interesting about this deck is that, and, and I, again, we've talked about this a lot. We talked about it on the show the other day. Um, but what this deck does open the possibility for is going forward we're going to see more five color tribal decks it's just going to happen sure. and it's I, I don't have a good beat on like is there a better one than humans right now because like humans between mayor and thalia's lieutenant has you know a really like eight really good two drop lords plus like 12 really good two drop disruption creatures it's like doing all the right thing it checks every box um you know mantis rider is just a powerhouse three drop right. Right now, I, I, the only cards I can like the slivers, maybe especially if Dominaria has them. Yeah, we're about to go back to. They're not as disruptive as the difference. That's the, that's what this but deck they have has going for it. Some of the disruption and what they lack in disruption, not they have better two. hate cards. Not on two. That's the sure. that's the thing. Okay. On two mana. Well, but the, uh, I think they're more of a collected company deck. Yeah. Okay. That's versus fair. an aether file deck. I think yeah. that if that that's a real question, the, slivers takes advantage of collected company so much better than humans. The fact that you're getting two three drops off of a four drop so consistently is like really important, and I I, I do think that makes a reason for it to exist and you know slivers was existing before this whole situation happened of unclaimed territory being printed yeah alongside um what's the other main thing kite freebooter for humans but yeah it, it, it's definitely an interesting combo of cards that really made this possible yes i think sedge sliver is probably the most interesting probably the most interesting of the collected company slivers that we would see um the uh, fact that the fact makes that you everything have, bigger 
Well, yeah, it makes everything bigger. So obviously you have this great three mana lord, but on top of that, it's a three mana lord that then makes all of your creatures re- like be able to regenerate. It makes the sort of inevitability of a creature matchup or any kind of like chump blocking. It like blanks fatal push, blanks lightning bolt. Um, yeah, and, I mean, like this is also a tribe that has the ability to give everything not hexproof, but something close to it. You know, the the mana leak hexproof. Harmonic Sliver is an insane card. Let me think. Which one? Harmonic. Oh, I know Harmonic Sliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah but like, again, like, so like the, there think... there are decks that literally can't beat. Like I've I've had four Harmonic Slivers in when we were playing Birthing Pod. Yeah, I had I would have four Harmonic Slivers just in my sideboard, just straight up because. The second one is really good, and the third one just wrecks affinity forever. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the biggest issue is that you know everything we're talking about for the most part in terms of the high power level are three drops. There, there's there's eighteen two drop slivers in modern period total ever. Uh, not even. I'm sorry. There's seventeen. I think sixteen. I'm looking at some of these that aren't actually slivers, and the ones that are totally legit that we would absolutely play would be like. Obviously, you would play uh, the, the two muscle slivers. So there's the white one, which is sinew sliver, and there's the green one, which I think is called predatory sliver. Um, so, you know, you have you have those, which is great. Like, I don't think anybody is arguing that you, you don't have the power. But on top of that, you know, you have the you have the gem hide sliver, which is also mana weft sliver. So you have you can fix your mana there. But I don't know if this deck necessarily just wants to fix its own mana. You don't really have that many power slivers at two. And that's, I think, the biggest problem with this deck is that as much as it's a collected company deck... I mean, you have two lords. I mean, that's... You, that's what I just said. That's what Merfolk has. Yeah, but but, but we're comparing this to humans. So if you're going to go five colors and you're going to try to justify it... I think you compare it to it, any tribal deck. I don't know why. I mean, like, humans is doing something different than what Slivers would be doing. So humans is playing the Hate Bears game, where Slivers is playing much more of a I'm making all my guys seven sevens and attacking you. I just, but then I feel like you would hundred just you just play Murfolk hundred percent. But you get you easier. get much better hate cards at it. Like the the hate cards you get, the the versatility out of Slivers is just stronger. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. I don't think that card's legal. No, it's not. I wasn't pointing. The, yeah, I was yeah. just that was a sliver on my phone yeah, that yeah. I was cycling through. That wasn't necessarily a specific one. Uh, for those who are wondering, I, I showed him acidic sliver. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do love I do love the idea of being able to have uh, dark heart sliver in your deck against mm-hmm. aggro decks. That seems pretty good. Diffusion sliver makes all of your things harder to kill. That's the thing. Merfolk doesn't. Yeah, you, know, you need a three drop to do that, and here it's a two drop. Um, I think I think this is a card that I would definitely be be thinking. You can get all of them have haste for two. They, they do a lot. Um, moving past slivers, back to humans. Uh, yeah, I think this deck is just you know a bit pillar of the metagame for now on. Moving forward, people are going to be playing it. I think in the other poll we ran, which was the established deck poll, uh, Abzan beat Lantern Control that beat humans that beat Traverse Shadow. Least amount of people are excited about Traverse Shadow, which is interesting. I think people are just sick of Best Shadow. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a really good deck. Um, this version of it is combining all the best elements. This is the five color version, right? This is the one that's playing all the best stuff from Grixis plus the best stuff from the Jund version. Traverse it's Shadow. Taking advantage of the Traverse package. So Correct. it's like basically, you basically have all of the sweetest Grixis cards, but then you also have your uh, Traverse with Mishra's Bobble, like get anything I need plan, and you're just winning with Team or Battle Rage. Just, I think it just slims down a little bit on some of the, the hyper-tempo plan that the Grixis version was playing. So it's not playing as many copies of um, uh, Stubborn Denial, right? It has three copies of Stubborn Denial. Oh, it still is playing three? Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. Two Team Rip Dadoroids, four Mishra's Bobble, two Prop Decay, one Dismember, Stubborn... It's just... It's like, oh, I can play all the lands. It plays one Grim Flayer. Um, this is really just... It, it's like green... It's Jund, um, Death Shadow, Splashing Blue. For for stubborn denial, snapcaster mage, and 
That's it. Yeah. So it's even in the sideboard. Not a lot. Yep, that's it. Yeah, I mean, so this deck was sweet, kind of boring. Uh, big, big props to making a top eight with it. It's a gr- awesome yep. set of sweet cards. Uh, I don't think this deck really runs the risk of getting anything banned anymore, though. This just feels like a deck that exists. It's the new fort. Yeah, Death Shadow is just a new Tarmogoyf. Yeah, it's just this. It's you know, this is another sort of mid range deck now. Yep. Ken uh, Yukihiro. Yeah. Though. Oh, Black Red Hollow one. Yeah, is this the last deck, or we forgot to talk about Reed Duke's Abzan deck? We talked about it for a hot second. There's Blue Red Pyromancer too. We have a few decks still. Okay. But we're doing this one. I'm not saving it for last. <laughs> uh, Bloodgast times four. Flame Blade Adept times four. Yeah. Flame Wake Phoenix times four. Dope. Gurmag Angler times three. Four Hollow One. Four Street Wraith. One Tassiger. Four Burning Inquiry. Two Collective Brutality. Four Faithless Looting. Four Goblin Lore. <laughs> four Lightning Bolt. So sick. That's the deck. It's pretty I, much all four ofs plus two collective brutality and technically Gurmag Angler and Tassiger is a four of together. I watched uh, several of his games. Um, it's just like this deck does. The reason this deck is good, is, and again, I, I I use this example way too much because it's just a deck that I played a lot. So and I was trying to do something weird, but the old Superior Burning Coco deck was like a deck that wanted to get a five six for two mana. It wanted to play that. So you had. You had to have a minimum of twelve ways to be able to get that thing into play reliably. It was like you can't you can't hope that you have eight ways. You have to be able to consistently you know get almost mm-hmm. a quarter of your deck, and so that was what I relied on. This deck does something similar in that it wants to get Hollow One into play on turn one or turn two, multiple Hollow Ones, um, Burning Inquiry, Faithless Looting, Street Wraith combo that can get it into play on turn one. On turn two, Goblin Lore can get it into play just on its own. But also, if you collective brutality and you discard multiple cards to brutality if you have set up for it you just get hollow one into play mm-hmm. um it, there's a lot the, the like the hollow one game plan is like really cool obviously sure is really good of it the flame wake phoenix is the most surprising card out of this deck by a wide margin that no one saw coming it's powerful i saw yeah. him, i saw him play a lot of it it's really 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 good yeah surprisingly good yep but it's because you're playing a free four four that's Two-two. why um, it's so a two-two. what? It's a two-two. No, no, I'm saying hollow one. Oh, hollow one is a four-four. Flamewake Phoenix is a two-two. Flameblade Adept is obviously also really good with all these cards because ca- putting that in, on turn one and then casting Goblin Lore is like bonkers. Attack for four, Attack and then for four. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Flamewake Phoenix is is pretty good. Um, it is probably the cutest of all the cards that we're talking about. So it strikes me as a card that probably saw play at the Pro Tour. But that if people experiment with this deck and play a lot with this deck, this would be the first card that I would guess somebody would find a better thing to play than. I don't know if I agree with you. This is like a weirdly unique effect, and it also is a four of. Like, that's like something like often you see like, oh, maybe this deck doesn't need Tassigar. Right, right, right. Maybe just like play four Gourmet Angler and, and be happy with it. You know, then you don't have to sp- splash the extra lands to make it worth it. Or maybe this deck really wants more collective brutalities over faithless lootings or more collective brutalities over goblin lores or yeah, lightning right. bolts. You know, like there's like sure. that area where there's only two of collective brutality and that card sounds really good in this deck. But like why play four if it's not really good? Right. And w- then win a pro tour with it. Yeah. It's like fair. it flies, which is something this deck probably needs a lot of the time. Like, I don't know. Um I'm I'm not sure if there's other effects that really accomplish this at the same level it needs it. And yeah, it, this deck is really tight. There's a lot of four. You know, whenever you see a deck that's almost all four ofs, it's like fascinating. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
This is probably the deck on this entire list that I'm most excited to try out. Hollow one? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you had you had tried out the Vengevine versions of Dredge mm -hmm. decks, and you would. I think you were interested in Hollow one because I'm pretty sure when it got spoiled, you bought four foil copies. Yeah. Right. Yes. You have four foils. Yes. Are they worth anything? I don't know. They must have gone up. Probably. I would have to think. Um, that card's sick. So the last deck that we should talk about, we could probably avoid Abzan. We like mentioned the list. It sure. Reduke's a master. Yes, yeah, he's really good. And Abzan's <laughs> a good deck always. It's yeah. a 50 against the field. It's why pros like playing Junt. It's interesting. It's Junt. <laughs> it is interesting that like that's what a player of his caliber decided to play. It was just like, I'm going to play this like super safe deck that has like lots of graveyard hate and the ability to just like win against anything. Yeah. Um, he just has. I think he had played a lot of those green based mid range decks, so he just decided to go with it again. Sure. Um, the blue That's what red. I'm talking about. I want people to play decks they're good at. Yeah, the blue red pyromancer deck, on the other hand, is sweet. You notice that he was playing, I think, four copies of ancestral vision in the deck. Pretty yep. sure. Three. Three ancestral vision. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I mean, here's the thing. Has there been a modern pro tour where a blue red deck has not been in the top eight? Uh, that's a good question. I'm pretty sure Lee Shitian top aided three of them with Blue Moon. Right. And then the and old Snapcaster Mage existed. Or yeah, Splinter Twin is a thing. So, like, I think that this deck is obviously really cool. Young Pyromancer in another deck in the top eight. Thing of the Ice is a sweet card. Totally. He's playing two Roasts in the main, which I think is really cool. Uh, one a Braid. So, there's like a bunch of really cool cards here. Uh, but this is a blue red list, and that's playing f four threats and a bunch of. Spells that trigger those threats into good things. Yeah, for sure. It's like definitely the best. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's sweet. <laughs> There's a reason blue-red is probably the best color combo. It's blue-red or black-green, right? So, I mean, we didn't... So, so what's interesting about this is that... It's hard. This deck is eerily similar to blue-red Delver from Treasure Cruise. From Treasure Cruise era. It's not the same deck. Sure. It's certainly a little different, and it's got, Serum, it's got ancestral visions instead. One of the questions that we, you know, pondered um, this week was what? Sure you mean opt? Yeah. What? Yes, that's funny. Um, is that why is all of a sudden Young Pyromancer a card again? Why is that card all of a sudden in modern like a ubiquitous card that people are playing with and, and are somehow they have somehow decided it's a card advantage engine again? And I think the answer is that in the last year, we had Fatal Push and Opt printed into modern. And I think just, just those, even though we lost Gataxian Probe, I think the fact that we have, we have now maybe the best removal spell in the format in a color that we didn't have it in is is that's obviously very powerful and the fact that you have an instant speed card that pairs well with snapcaster mage i think it kind of pushes things over the edge i think that that's what it took i think it just took those two cards being printed a slight shift in the metagame and all of a sudden young pyromancer's a deck i really want wizards to print young pyromancer into a standard set or into a master set at rare that make me really happy why because then it could be the fifth card. <laughs> you think that it just isn't the fifth card just because of its rarity? Yeah. Interesting. I do. I think if that card was rare, it would be the fifth card. I think it is the fifth card. It just doesn't... It just feel rare. like it took a while for it to catch up. But it just... It, it so much more completely does what the red... It's a 2-1 for 2 that generates card advantage. Like... It's not a 2-1 for 2. Stoneforge Mystic isn't it either. It doesn't generate card advantage. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, like that's fired. not the definition. But uh, I, I think it is it. I think it needs... Did you say it is it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it needs to be rare. It needs to be printed at a rare rarity somewhere. And I think that a master set just printing at a rare would make everyone really happy. And I don't think it's ridiculous for that to be a rare and a master set. Because this card's really good. 
should probably just have been printed at Rare when it was first printed, honestly. Yeah. Would, the world would be a better place. Yeah, there would be it, no if reason. Young Pyromancer was a Rare. Yeah, much better place. Because <laughs> of this one reason. Free, free Young Pyromancer. <laughs> or, uh, or raise it to its new status. Yeah, so I think that that pretty much wraps us up, unless we want to talk about... Uh, Lantern Control again? No, no, we already did that. Mario Pyromancer, we didn't really go into the list at all. It's really good. Yeah, we did. Bedlam Reveler. Lingering Souls, oh, Collective oh, that, Brutality. That is one interesting Faith thing to talk about, and that was a focus of this Pro Tour, and it does seem to be a lot of what the pros are focusing on. So with Fatal Push being so played, uh, there does there it does seem to be a focus on playing creatures that you can that, that cost five or more that you can cast for less than five. So like that's what you saw a lot of it in this Pro Tour. You're seeing tons and tons of Gurmag Anglers and tons and tons of Tassigers and tons of Hollow Ones and Bedlam Revelers. Like it's a trend that we're seeing. Any way that you can cheat a creature that costs five CMC or more in a play for less than five CMC is good because it's going to dodge the format's most played removal spell. And so it's why Bedlam Reveler went from being a 79 cent card to an $8 card overnight. Um, and I think people will continue to look for ways to exploit that. Uh, wait, you, you just wait. Hooting Mandrels is going to break through. You're going to see it. It's going to happen. All of a sudden, people are going to be playing it. It's not going to be surprising, especially with young Pyromancer tokens running around. It's just going to happen. We're, we're just seeing more and more of it. Okay, so I have a question. Yeah. Uh, what's the most played removal spell in the top eight for the Pro Tour? Played removal spell top eight of the Pro Tour? Should have confirmed that Bolt is not it, but yeah. Um, I would think, based on the decks that made the top eight, that it would have to be Fatal Push. Collective Brutality. Oh, funny. By like five. Yeah, there's like there's like, like like 14 copies in the top eight or something. It's it, and that's like yeah, it's it's it, it it's kind of a card that under the radar is probably sculpting modern more than people are giving it credit to. Card's great. I love that card. Yep. I think it's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. It's so I wouldn't take my burn to a tournament right now. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> like mean, single-handedly, just, burn sounds like a bad idea. It also just keeps getting more expensive, right? Like yeah. brutality is like it's, 15, it's rotated, 16 dollars so it's, it's now. It's hit the bottom. It's not going to go lower. No, holy moly, Collective Brutality went to $28? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Oh, man. When we were sorting out our cards that I had borrowed from you, I was like, did I borrow Collective Brutality? And you were like, I don't know. And I was like, you know what? Thanks for letting me borrow these cards. You can just have this. <sighs> <laughs> if I have four, I'll give it back. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> if I don't have four, I'm keeping it. <laughs> uh, sweet. All right. Well, that's going to do it, guys. For the Thanks record, for I'm listening. Not, I'm not a terrible person. Ben borrowed like $700 worth of cards for a year. <laughs> I'll probably do it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's it for the day. That's the the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we want to make sure that you follow us on Twitter. I am at Kess Wiley. Ben I'm at Ben Bateman Media. <laughs> We're at the MM <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you with my name. Uh, we're at the MMCast. You were on Facebook. Find the Facebook group. Uh, find the Facebook group, the Official Masters of Honor Facebook group. Uh, congratulations to our new moderators. They will be announced on the page. Uh, this week? Yep. Yeah, Patreon.com slash the MMCast. Please help us out. Donate a dollar, two dollars, whatever you can do. It helps the show keep going. Uh, we lost a pair of headphones. We need to buy a new one. We did. Um, and I need, to, I need to buy some editing software because I'm taking over editing the podcast this week. Woo! So that's the thing. Uh, Anchor.fm slash 10 Minutes Modern. And uh, I will give uh, three packs of Masters of Mo or Modern Master sets. I don't know which one. Yeah. To anyone who tags us and tags at Kess Toys and posts a picture of them hula hooping with ice hoops from Target. Buy an ice hoop from Target, hula hoop with it, and post a picture, and Alex will send you like $50, 60 worth of Magic Cards. 
Easy to do. Not like every person at random, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> one person. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. We'll talk soon. Bye.